Coming up, the horror genre, scented hand sanitizer, massive multiplayer online role-playing games, and gym class dodgeball. All that and more on this episode of For or Against. Just old friends on the podcast who build a defense on ridiculous topics are you for or against? Discussing random issues, man, this show is immense. So tune in and choose the side that you sit on the fence. Man, we debate a lot of issues, boy, where do we start? Adults who drink milk and self-driving cars. You're listening now to For or Against. So turn the volume up, this is For or Against. Hello and welcome to For or Against, a podcast for new friends produced by old friends. I'm your host, Mike McFadden. We have friends old and new this week to help us make our sweeping, uninformed judgments. We all know Mike Winan and Rob Silver, of course, but joining us tonight from the Bundle Buddies podcast are Eric Taylor Roth and Alex Honnett. Welcome, buddies. Thanks for coming on the show. Hi, thank, thank you. you. Hello. Thank you for having us. Thank yeah, you for having Thank you for having <laughs> Alex and then like letting me kind of tag along. It, it's our pleasure. We are so glad to have you guys here. Uh, we'd like love to start off by having you guys tell us a little bit about yourselves and a little bit about your podcast. Who are you? Oh, geez. Uh, well, we're both to Los Angeles uh, layabouts, showbiz layabouts. Um, <laughs> we were playing a lot of video games during uh, quarantine. We both sort of reconnected with that love. And specifically, there was a uh, bundle that came out from the website itch.io, which is a large kind of like it's like Steam for indie developers is the way to kind of frame it uh, mentally. But they, they released a bundle uh oriented around uh, social and racial justice called the Itch.io Bundle for Racial and Social Justice uh, right after George Floyd's murder. And it raised $8 million. And there's like 1,300 playable games in there that that you could just get down to, along with like a lot of other stuff. And when I got it, I was so excited, but it it felt like that feeling you get when you have like a binder full of PS1 games or something in the summer vacation and you just want to like play them all at a sleepover or something like that. And (laughs) I didn't have anyone to play with. So I, I talked to Eric to see if he wanted to do like a, he had mentioned like doing a podcast. It's like, I have this idea. It's very random and will have a very limited audience, but it could be fun. And uh, we've been doing it ever since. That was like around July, I want to say. We started recording it and uh, it's been really fun. We played, God, we played uh, 78 games, 79 yeah. games. Yeah. So every, every week we play three games three indie games and then we have guests on and we talk about uh their experience with video games nostalgia bundle up. Uh, yeah our bundle levers uh when has been a, a guest of mm-hmm. ours and then uh, and then we review these games and some of them are incredible and some of them are just absolute whiffs you know it's <laughs> it, it really runs <laughs> The gamut. A lot of it is is uh, you know some first time game developers. A lot of it are, are are you know games that are kind of backed by Kickstarter stuff like that. It's super fun. Uh, for, yeah. If I can interject for a second, for for our non gaming listeners who are mostly our parents, uh, yeah. <laughs> most of our listeners are, are our parents. Can you explain yeah. what the difference between like a triple A AAA studio game is and an indie game? Yeah, sure. I mean, video games are it's. Uh, as a business makes more money than the entertainment industry does these days than movies and uh, TV and, and music. So, you know, when you think about like a, a huge game that you've heard of like your Madden's or your halos or, you know, for Nintendo, like your super Mario or something like that, I'm trying to really stretch as a parents will understand, you know, <laughs> it, it ain't just Mario. You're talking to Michelle yeah. or Wynand right now. Well, also, hi, Michelle. It's so nice to talk to, to speak That's to you. I haven't, Mrs. I haven't Wynand to you. <laughs> <laughs> Mike, when you talked a, a couple of episodes ago, you talked about the uh, trip you took to, um, uh, 
the your the uh, garage sale, the estate sale for your grandma? And I was like, yeah, I benefited from quite a yeah, few. You of were those. there. Yeah, I was there. <laughs> <laughs> I remember loading up some of those glasses and the, the desks and chairs. Um, sorry, I got totally derailed there. So the indie, okay. what's an indie game? Are, are the non-Super Mario Brothers exactly. more incredibly developed? Small yeah. studios, one or two people. A lot of these uh, places have huge teams working on them, You know, literally hundreds of people uh, working on them. This is like, what if you don't have that? What if you're just one person who wants to break into the industry and wants to make something? Or you're someone who wants to make a game that kind of, kind of falls outside of the, the world of like something that someone like is, that would consider more commercially viable or would get greenlit. Like what, how do you explore those ideas? And the tools are there now that you can really make really compelling, really cool games with small teams that appeal to like smaller sections of the population. And you can support a middle-class lifestyle in those things. Uh, so that's what itch is and, and what sort of the indie game scene is like. Very cool. And so this is a pretty ambitious project of yours, your podcast, right? Because there, the bundle contains, can you say again, how many games? Yeah, I think it's, it's 1,365 playable games. <laughs> And you're intent on reviewing all of them? We're going to do all of them. No question. <laughs> Brina, seriously, will you really do all of them? 100%. There's no hesitation. Amazing. <laughs> and have you calculated how long that will take if you pump 20, out an 27 years. 27 years. <laughs> Excellent. No right, so everybody set, set yeah. your subscribe today because we're, we're in for the long haul here. Um, so according to the outline that Mike Winan put together, um, you have a charitable or social action slant to your uh, video game, indie, indie video game review podcast. Is that accurate? Yeah. I, it, it, the moment we started the podcast was this past summer, uh, you know, during that, as I say, I've ever the massive outcry for social and racial justice following George Floyd's murder by police. And it didn't feel right in that moment to like, given what the bundle was about to not, you know, try to acknowledge and, uh, you know, like that moment and also tried to do some kind of work alongside it, you know? So it's another, it's another podcast with two white guys, but every episode we donate some money to a cause that our guest highlights, hopefully with a, a social or, or racial justice bent um, and try to encourage our listeners to donate as well. And if they do donate, then we shout them on the show. We've only had one donation uh, way back in the first episode, but we're <laughs> optimistic. So if you're out there, we'll say whatever you want just about on the podcast if you donate uh, to the cause that week. Give us a give us a, give us a holler. So, so last question about the podcast. Can you tell us what your either favorite or least favorite game from the bundle has been so far? Ooh, it's a tough oh, question. Oh, man. We played this game called um, Potato Thriller, and <laughs> it's a it, it felt like a David Lynch meets uh, a I, potato. I Boy story, yeah, kind of like it's but bizarre. Like, it's so weird. It's so strange. You're like investigating this murderous potato, and like it's scary, but it's also very weird and funny. And it starts up with this like ridiculous like phone conversation. This it's probably all done by this like one kid in his room, and it starts with this like really long, just like single shot of a voice recorder, like. And it's this like <laughs> terrible New Orleans accent, like, oh no, there's this uh, potato killer on the loose. <laughs> it's just, it was incredible. It's, it's like the, it's like the room, great. the video game. It was un unbelievable. But I oh, mean, good. If you're so, looking, so for is like, this one? Is this one both the uh, your favorite and least favorite? Yes, <laughs> video yeah, game? yeah, yeah. Okay. That's a fair description. But it's. 
you can also like, go with um uh, there's some really really good ones a short hike is an unbelievable game that I recommend that's like an actual one. good yeah video it's game. an actual good video game but <laughs> those are i think like two ends of the spectrum of like good games in there one is so bad it's good uh you know so compelling and the other is just like an incredibly well articulated video game that exists out of like the major studio system all right excellent well everybody make sure that you subscribe to the bundle buddies podcast uh, we'll come back for you to shout out where you can where else we can find you online at the end of the show but you're going to stick around and play for against with us is that correct oh baby Oh, I think oh baby means yes. (laughs) (laughs) Before we start playing, we'd like to share that if the timing works out, and we think that it will, in partnership with our new sponsor, CryptoSwatches.com, we will be breaking away from our regularly scheduled content to live stream the exciting conclusion of an English auction for Mint number 1 CyberDuck collaboration, CryptoSwatch. The highest bid is currently 29.29 WAX, which equates to about $6.25. We don't know how this is going to end, but it's sure going to be interesting. Can I translate that for yes. our layman uh-huh. listeners? Please do. McFad- oh, and for me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> McFadden has decided that his own uh, digital collectible business is now our sponsor. And he's auctioning off these digital collectibles online. And we're going to wait to see how much they sell for in about an hour. So it's exciting. I think the most expensive one was, what, eight bucks? So that's the, that's yeah. the number to beat, baby. And everybody should understand that these are JPEGs that are 414 pixels by 518 pixels. So there's more context for you. All right, now it's time to play for (laughs) or against. One of us will present a topic. The rest of us will analyze, discuss, and argue about it. And then we'll decide if we are for or against that topic. Michael Winand, we're going to be beginning with you this week. What topic have you for us? All right, here's a topic. It's it's broad and sweeping, just like our show, and one that I'm pretty amazed that we haven't covered yet, and that is the horror genre of fiction. So horror movies, horror video games for our bundle buddies, uh, or horror uh, literature, literature as well. Um, my question for, for the group is, why? Um, <laughs> horror is as old as Rome itself. And I reckon I recognize you don't have to explain to me. I recognize that people love it. Alex, you and I were on a discord server during the Halloween season where like 20 of our friends clamored to vote on which scary movies we got to watch together. <laughs> Literary historian J.A. Cudden defines a horror story as a piece of fiction in prose in variable length, but shocks or frightens or perhaps induces a feeling of repulsion or loathing. Why are these things <laughs> people want to feel want to pay for and want to seek out i'll play my hand and i hate horror movies but i being the uh you know the uh, student of socrates and the scientific method explain to me what the point of any of this is (laughs) socrates is dead whoever you're paying to be your teacher It's not actually Socrates. The scientific method is, is, is out the window. That we'll save that for another episode. Uh, but Alex, you like horror movies, I know for a fact. I'm going to put a bundle buddy on the spot to start because I know you're a fan of the pod. Tell me, horror m- movies, horror games, why? Uh, I do like the horror genre. So uh, as a fan of the podcast, I also know you guys are all pretty big wife guys. They, our wives get brought up a lot on the <laughs> podcast. Uh, and so I will talk about my wife briefly. She, uh, until this year, uh, did not watch horror movies. That was 
her thing was basically like, I, I've always enjoyed them, that, that genre. I've watched them. I've, you know, felt a little titillated and excited. And, you know, it doesn't really affect, affect me that much. I've always been on the lookout for like something that is supposed to be actually scary to watch. But that all came to a crashing halt 10 years ago when I started seriously dating my wife and we moved in together. Um, but this year she said the actual world is scarier than these movies so I can watch them again. <laughs> so uh, we've enjoyed watching a couple this year. We watched uh, the first uh, Friday the 13th, uh, the first, um, what is the one on the lake with the uh, Jason and... Um, Oh yeah, the one with Jason. The one with <laughs> the Jason, Jason one. That's Friday the Thirteenth. That's Friday. Uh, no, Friday the Thirteenth uh, is Friday. Ha- Halloween. Oh, no. Halloween. 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 Halloween is Michael Myers. Yeah. Halloween and Friday the Thirteenth. We both watched the first ones of those. We also watched uh, one of the most recent Friday the Thirteenth, where they did like a, a reboot. Um, I like them. I like feeling spooky. I also feel like horror is one of those places where you can catch sort of like. Um, nudity in movies still <laughs> unfortunately like just female nudity doesn't extend both ways but like that's that's the thing where you still get that kind of like uh that vibe and so they're playing the lines between you're scared and you're it's violent and also you're a little aroused it's uh an evocative genre that you don't <laughs> get in a lot of mainstream superhero movies so i'm very for horror movies you know why not like feel something your senses it. are all like crossing over each other when you're watching that you're like what am i supposed to think right now so many bright colors <laughs> pinging in my brain all the different centers of my brain activating at once it's exciting you, you reminded me of like when i was 13 years old and i would flip through the tv guide and they'd be like on hbo at 1 30 in the morning something has a ba or bn brief nudity in it so i gotta so watch it but it's like a slasher it's film the entire thing from start butt. to finish <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, don't don't watch yeah, Silk Stock. Twenty minutes. Just in. watch uh, horror movies. You're fine. Uh, R- Robert, what do you think? You're a scaredy cat. <clears throat> it's funny because Alex mentioned the wives, and so I started dating my wife when I was 17 years old, junior year of high school. And for before I started dating her, I had this vision that when I find a girl that I'm going to date and I want to make my girlfriend, we're going to watch a scary movie together because at the scary parts. She's going to get nervous and cling to me and clutch onto my arm and I'm going to hold her tight and it's going to be romantic and I'm going to have my in so I could like really put my arms around her and hold her tight. And so I actually tried to do that. And I think it was our first or second date. I went to her house and I said, Lexi, we're going to watch a scary movie. I've got just the movie Final Destination. (laughs) And I thought for sure that she would be so scared. I saw it once before. So I was like, it's the right balance of like, horror but like some light comedy too she's totally gonna jump into my arms we watched this movie and she was like annoyed because it was so dumb like <laughs> there was, it was not scary it was not funny it was just a bad movie but it was it scary was for you <laughs> yeah it was i thought it was scary for me so i was clinging on to her so it didn't, <laughs> it didn't do the trick unfortunately that's that was my hope um so despite that negative initial experience, I'm actually for the horror genre if it's done really well. I actually, I'm not into the Friday the 13th. I'm not into the Jason stuff because in hindsight, I don't think they're very good movies. I think they're good movies for that generation and like for that genre at that time. But I like more thrillers. So things like Get Out, which is a really well done psychological thriller. Like that is horrific to me. Um, or maybe not quite as good, but like War of the Worlds with Tom Cruise from like a few years back. Like there, it, it's suspenseful. There's action, and you're like, 
I, I'm, I, I'm nervous. I don't know what's going to happen next. And I think what it does is it pushes. These are senses that you normally don't want to feel in your everyday life, but there's a barrier of safety because you know, you can't actually get hurt indulging in this horror genre. So it allows you to experience it like this pushing of the senses, but in a safe space. So I think there's something to that. I didn't fully flesh it out, but I'm for it. For horror. <laughs> All right. Alex says I could get kind of horny. Rob says that it can tell me something about myself. Eric Taylor Roth, what do you think of, of horror movies? So uh, I'm actually the opposite of you, Rob, where I love the just corny, <laughs> cheesy, like give me something with like bad acting and just like like splatter blood like i love that that like that stupidness when you're watching something and you're like this is dumb it's so delightful to me and then like i think my favorite my favorite spot is like the the spot where it's like not it's like just campy enough, but like three or four times you're going to jump out of your seat, right? Like something that you can watch with your friends. I, I So my, when I was a kid, I was like terrified, absolutely terrified of horror movies. And I remember there was one um, like, you know, watching, uh, you know, like channel five or whatever, uh, <laughs> It was probably like eight o'clock, but they were like teased their like midnight movie or something. It was like the house that bled. And I remember like that has stuck with me my entire life. Never saw the house that bled. Never, you know, like, but the Just idea the that promo. there was a, I, I was drawing <laughs> bleeding houses like this is very healthy. <laughs> like, like my teachers would be like, what's going on in this house? And I'm like, it's bleeding. Um. But but so like very scared. And then in high school, um, I had friends that were like, I think that like there's the like kind of nerd culture, horror genre culture. There's like these kind of like interweaving Venn diagram sort of things. But I had friends that like loved like the reanimator or scanners or evil dead. And it was such a like revelatory experience watching these things that I think had been so like. I had avoided my entire life with a group of people as like a thing to laugh at and enjoy and like truly enjoy. Like, I think that, um, you know, we all kind of lived through the moment where people like liked things ironically. And I think that like, like there is true joy in enjoying something that's bad. That's different than the, like, I like this ironically kind of thing. I don't like, I, I'm, Again, I haven't really sussed that full thing out, but I just, but like That's the point of this show. So yeah. don't worry about that at all. <laughs> you're, you're in good company, <laughs> but, uh, but like Alex, my, my wife was not a big horror fan. And then like every October when it comes around, I just like, it just, it gets me in the mood for, you know, that like, scary butt. yeah. Oh, get... <laughs> no, I mean like the Halloween mood, like I'm not trying to watch a horror movie like in the middle of December, you know what I mean? Like, it's not, that's not where I'm where, like, it just, it feels like a very, it feels right uh, for that season. Yeah. Yeah. Like, like a very autumnal kind of thing. And um, yeah, so I'm a uh, for, I'm absolutely for the horror, the horror genre. Give me something. And this is All right, sounds like I'm you. in the minority. Mike, are you going to make it a clean, clean sweep? 
Well, Mike, as always, I'm going to parse this uh, several different ways. Um, I think uh, we're taking another angle here. The horror <laughs> genre. Take the idea of for or against the not play the game. <laughs> well, I, I feel like the horror genre is too broad because you have your slasher films, which are sort of like the gory blood and guts sort of movies that I put Halloween and Friday the 13th in there and probably even Scream. And maybe Scream is the exception, but I'm not really for those movies. Uh, I think I'm against slasher films, uh, but I am a big fan of like psychological thrillers and suspenseful movies and sci-fi movies that have an aspect of horror to them. Uh, Case in point would be Black Swan. I I think that that was a horror movie of sorts. um, And I really enjoyed that movie. Uh, I also like the movie Jurassic Park. Um, That's not a horror movie, Michael. I mean, dinosaurs eating people, popping up, scaring you. Like, I think, I think that Jurassic Park is a horror movie. And so uh, for my definition, for my definition of (laughs) horror films, I I am for, uh, but I'm against slasher films. And that's where I stand. Have we swayed you at all, Mike? Uh, I will say that I am for Jurassic Park, but hang on to your butts. <laughs> this uh, you have not convinced me. Um, I, I'm surprised. You know, one of the things that I will grant is that there, are, there are, there's art that can be made in that structure. Uh, Nineteen, a book that I read, one of the hundred books I've ever read in my entire life is 1954's "I Am Legend." No, it does not follow the same plot line as the Will Smith film. Um, or the most recent works by Jordan Peele, um, Alex, you mentioned Get Out. It's also Us, where you can, you know, it's a vehicle to discuss, you know, social issues. But that's exactly what I just think it is. I think it's a vehicle. They're kind of subverting the whole concept of what a horror movie should be. And therein lies the art. A horror movie in its in his heart of hearts to the heart of darkness is meant to scare you and meant to elicit your fight or flight response. And I am in that all of the time. (laughs) Maybe this is a me problem. I recognize that this is a me thing and uh, I don't want it to feel that way. Give me a superstore at NBC where nothing bad's going to happen to anybody. Give me a Richard Linklater movie where literally nothing happens at all i love that <laughs> for 18 years <laughs> so i am against horror movies we're one for five all right well eric now it's time uh, for you to lead us uh with your topic what do you have for us this evening yeah so um my topic is uh it's definitely a topic that like i wish i didn't have an opinion on you know what i mean like <laughs> a, until a year ago i never had an opinion on hand sanitizer like you or you know i mean like you heard you heard like i had you know like people being like ah well like germs kind of stick around or whatever but like my as far as my opinions on hand sanitizer go it was just sort of like yeah i don't know do you want your hands clean yeah, but I feel like in goop. this in yeah here's some goop. Put it on your hands; they'll feel kind of weird. In this past year, because of uh, quarantine and COVID, uh, there's been an explosion in the industry of hand sanitizer, including scented hand sanitizer, which mm. 
to me is just absolutely, absolutely repulsive. When I put hand sanitizer on, I want it to smell like I could comfortably put my hands inside of a somebody who's being surgically surgeried on, and I want it. I want it. I want it to smell like like antiseptic alcohol. Like I want if when I'm putting hand sanitizer on. I, I want to know that my hands are clean and, and anything that goes on top of that just smells like that hand sanitizer plus whatever else, which just makes a, makes an absolute disgusting scent. So uh, here are the hand sanitizers off the top of my head that I've uh, tried and know that are absolutely disgusting. Uh, aloe, <laughs> hmm. lime, Pina colada? <laughs> what? <laughs> yeah, I think these are just uh, sunblock. <laughs> are, are you sure you weren't in the Bud Light seltzer uh, aisle? <laughs> <laughs> and the actual, the only one that I've encountered that has been moderately tolerable is a vanilla scented hand sanitizer. To me, though, hand sanitizer should smell like poison. <laughs> why? By the way, why are all the smells foods? Yeah, you know what? You know what? So a friend was telling me uh, that actually a lot of um, alcohol, like distilleries, pivoted at the beginning of quarantine to make hand sanitizer. So I think that there's there's that they but, didn't think people uh, were going to be drinking as much alcohol, and they were wrong. <laughs> <laughs> now, yeah, I haven't I haven't drank any of these hand sanitizers, so I can't actually speak to the, the full spectrum of experience. There's of the them. there's yeah, the yeah, problem. Yeah. That's where it's yeah, blown. Yeah. <laughs> So Eric, uh, uh, typically we we let the uh, segment leader choose the order. So uh, it's it's up to you who you want to hear from. Uh, well, McFadden, what? It's your turn. You're up. <laughs> okay, great. I will go. Um, I agree with you. I think that hand sanitizer should uh, smell and taste, for that matter, medicinal. Uh, you should have no mistake about the the purpose that it is serving. If you are drawn to it and you know have any sort of affection towards the uh, hand sanitizer, something is wrong. You're you're doing it incorrectly. And um, I, I agree completely. Um, hand sanitizer should smell precisely like hand sanitizer and like nothing else. I'm against uh, like fruity food scented, aloe scented hand sanitizers for pretty much all the same reasons that you articulated. I'm against. Boom. There we go. Alex, how about you? Uh, I am. A, a, I'm very binary in this one. I am against is that bad... allowed Wait, guys is that allowed <laughs> i'm really have 2021 folks you can have whatever opinions you want about hand sanitizer i am uh, i'm against bad smelling hand sanitizer and i'm for good smelling hand sanitizer uh oh, rose... rough take rose... <laughs> really divisive here rosemary is an amazing smelling hand sanitizer uh so is lavender so is mint so are you know we're talking uh ancient medicine you know before they really knew what medicine could fix you when we were using the plants yeah so by the way but you you just hit on something really important because the the flavors that eric mentioned we're all in the food category you're mentioning the floral and plant category which you're on to something there these are two different things it's great i want it to if it's uh smells like a digestif then i'm on board you know what i mean so uh i'm i'm totally for uh scented hand sanitizer Mm. Uh, Eric, who's next? All right, you you whined. <laughs> all right, uh, I'm I'm with you, Eric. Uh, you know, I, how, without that smell, how do I know that it's working? 
I don't like the smell of hand sanitizer, but I know germs don't like it either. <laughs> right. So I know the sad fact is when we get to the other side of this thing, I think hand sandy is here to stay. Like you're going to have it like everywhere. Like it's going to be instead of handshakes, it's you want some goop like that's what it's going to be. <laughs> but uh, I need that astringent smell. It, it's like a pat on my back that says, like, it's all going to be OK, even if it's not. <laughs> I need that smell to know that I am clean. Yeah, the, the am alcohol smell says you are protected. The smell of vanilla ice cream does not tell you that it says, let's go eat. <laughs> <laughs> I want to feel bad. <laughs> later if it stings even better yeah. <laughs> it's into some pores in your cuticles oh yeah have you guys had a paper cut and put on hand sanitizer yes. this yeah, year? Like, absolutely. this is the good stuff mike's like i deserve this because i'm bad <laughs> Rob the last. other day Oh, yeah, you're up, Rob. Go for yeah, it. Yeah, I mean, I, I completely agree. <laughs> Alex, in fairness, you are a guest, but you're wrong for trying to play both sides. While you made a good point <laughs> about the botanical part of it, you got to choose. And so I'm going to be in full agreement with my other brothers over here. I'm against scented hand sanitizer for all the same reasons. But to expound, I, I also, in a different sense, besides smell, I have an issue with textures in my life. And mm. so, like, the idea of a flavored hand sanitizer, I'm imagining a stickier type of substance even if it's not actually stickier i will be feeling like my hands are sticky if they smell like vanilla and that's going to bother me too and and then this leads to the whole conversation of like there are different types of hand sanitizers whether it's the goop whether it's a foaming hand sanitizer whether it's an aerosol Get spray those sprays out of here i don't trust the sprays i need to i don't trust the spray either because they i don't uh, feel like it's you get full coverage but i also personally don't like the goop because it just is too slimy and squishy so i personally am a foam guy myself that's where mm. i'd like to land if that mm. option is available I, I thought that was probably the case with you robbie <laughs> thank you i've got there's uh uh my office building has one that just sort of like uh, almost like peas into your hand, and it, and, the, and it it is runny like that. Like it's like it's dripping from the top of my hands. I like I, to me that's that's a but horrible. You, you guys have touched on it. That's my, I'm absolutely against bad feeling hand sanitizer. You know what I mean? That feels bad mm -hmm. on my hand. No, I, I don't mm -hmm. like that one bit. But all all scented hand sanitizer. No, it, some of it smells nice. I like it. <laughs> so, you know, I will say. I'm for scented soaps. I think it's oh, yeah, a different absolutely. thing. 100%. There you go. Changing the topic again, Robbie. <laughs> what I do best. <laughs> Way off a, topic. It's a tangential change. It's related. <laughs> All right. Any final thoughts on hand, uh, scented hand sanitizer, Eric? Uh, I hope that uh, I never have to think about hand sanitizer ever again in my life. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, let's take a quick break to hear from our sponsor. Four Against is brought to you by our very own merch store. That's right. We have merch. Visit fouragainstpod.com slash shop to check out our spirited apparel and home goods. We've partnered with on-demand printing and fulfillment company, Printful.com. So that means that any idea we have for a product can quickly be uploaded to our store, processed by them, and purchased by you. Check out our merch store at fouragainstpod.com. And I would, be I would be remiss if I didn't jump in and say, have you made the 2T shirt yet? Yeah, sure did. Four you Against did? Is, is it on the site? No. For Against is also brought to you by My Crypto Swatches. My daughter is very disappointed. 
Wax.com. A crypto swatch is a digital collectible traded on the Wax blockchain. They're the easiest, most accessible way to get started learning about non-fungible tokens and crypto art. Visit CryptoSwatches.com today. And we're back. Before we move on to Robbie Silver, we're going to have a quick update on a real-time auction. Uh, we're still at 29.29 Wax, which as a reminder is uh, about $6.59. Uh, How many uh, bidders are there? There are 10. There have been 10 bids. Individual How do you have bidders. that many parents? <laughs> <laughs> it's the 21st century. <laughs> um, it can, looks can... like there are four to maybe that about seven bidders, six or seven bidders. Can you describe to us what this digital collectible actually looks like? Yes. So a crypto swatch uh, looks like a paint swatch that you might get at a hardware store. So it's a solid color on a white background. It says crypto swatch below it. It's numbered. This is the 24th in the series, but this is a collaboration with uh, a another NFT artist uh, on Twitter at Ducks Cyber. They go by Cyber Ducks. And uh, there's an animated uh, duck that's waddling across the uh, the crypto swatch. I want this endless now. loop. Well, it can be yours uh, for only one wax if you just go to cryptoswatches.com. But if you want mint number one, the first in the series, it's currently going to cost you uh, twenty nine wax. Twenty nine point two. Uh, twenty nine point three wax because you have to. Bit at least, you know, more. And what what's the color that the duck is walking over? It's a red. Mmm, that makes it worth it right there. <laughs> yes, mm-hmm. there's four in the series. If you want to collect all four, then you're gonna have to shell out more money. And you can only get the uh, the fourth in the series on the secondary market because they sold out uh, during our soft launch last night. Exciting! I, I can't like wait. the right. smile the, on your the face. The thrilling Mike. conclusion. Robbie, it's now time for your topic. Take it away. Okay. My wife and I watched episode one of a new Netflix show last week called The One. And the premise of The One is a company is uh, like a, a dating company, basically. They match you with your perfect match. But they use DNA matching to find your one true soulmate. And the show is so stupid. I stopped after one episode. It's dumb. But it got me thinking... If it was possible that you could sign up for a service that told you definitively who your one true soulmate was, would you sign up for that service and find your one true soulmate based on your DNA? Um, Theoretical. Robbie, I have a question. Are Mm -hmm. we um, in our current state in life, like I'm married (laughs) and I have to take a (laughs) DNA test and find out um, if this is my you know, true soulmate mm-hmm. or, or maybe there's somebody else out there or like, what's the hypothetical that we're, so that we're really I'm going, dealing with? I'm here? going to leave this to you to decide if you want to take this test now after you're already married or if you could live in a different world where you don't have your current spouse or partner or if you go back in time. I'll leave that to you. In general, would you want to know who your soulmate is and, and essentially live happily ever, ever after in theory with that person? So McFadden, I want to start with you <laughs> since you're inquisitive about this. What's your take? All right. Well, I think that uh, any relationship, no matter how perfectly paired the couple is, is going to take some work. It's going to take uh, you getting to uh, know how to 
you know, live with that other person um, and compromise and, and build a relationship together. It doesn't just happen, even if you match on all of the, you know, different ways in which a couple can match, it's going to re uh, require uh, you as a couple to make the intentional decision to make your relationship work. And so I, I don't believe that uh, the, the, the premise is is uh, even realistic even in this hypothetical situation you, that, that no you're skirting the issue though this is it is a theoretical this doesn't exist but it's based on the idea so then that what does it mean though what does it mean if you find your your one true soulmate it's the person who is meant to be perfect for you and there are a lot of people who are in loveless relationships or even loving relationships but there might be somebody out there who's even better for you that you don't know exists so if I was pretend this exists. What if they pretend live in Finland and they speak Finnish? <laughs> yeah. See, there's so many different ways. That well, that, this that, that, again, wrong. this is why the show is really stupid. <laughs> <laughs> then you know what? I want to know. I, I'll take it. Sign me up. I'm for this. I want to know who my soulmate is and might inspire me to learn uh, to speak Finnish. <laughs> Michelle's going to be so pissed at you. Okay. Maybe um, it's her. You don't know that, Robbie. Yeah, but okay. Well, I'll save it for my turn. Alex, uh, let's hear what you have to say. Uh, well, mine would absolutely give my current wife as the answer. So I'm absolutely for it because it would just show me exactly what I already have and how great it Can is. Can I go over and do that? Right. <laughs> <laughs> you just found the loophole in this whole thing. Good for you, Alex. I did say current wife, though, so that's probably still good. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's a past we're not aware of. Or future. <laughs> All right, Mr. Wynand, how about you? Uh, okay, so I haven't seen this uh, television show. I have seen the trailer uh, based on the very scary sounding uh, music that is over most of it. Uh, spoiler, it's probably not a good idea. There's a lot of blood in this trailer. <laughs> so, <laughs> for the people in the show, at least, it doesn't work out. And I have no reason to believe that it would work out well uh, in the real world either. Um, I'll take your preposition that it's like before I, I met my wife, my current wife. Uh, but I think that as a human being, you grow, you know, as you age. And I think a lot to do with that is the relationships you're in, romantic or otherwise. I'm not the same person I was five years ago or 10 years ago or 20 years ago. Um, and that's because of the people that I know. And um, I don't want some, you know, scientists in uh, in Washington, D.C. to tell me that uh, these are the people that Down I have to Down with be science. Down, Down with, with science. science. <laughs> so, no, I'm against it because I don't want the scary music to follow my life either. So against. That's a very different reason to be against it. But OK, <laughs> uh, Eric Roth. How about you? Yeah, anytime anyone starts playing with people's DNA, you know that's like bad sign. That's just like you just you. It's got. It's just got. Don't do it. Don't be a beta tester at least. Let's see the <laughs> six or seven. Anytime you know. Anytime you're talking about like you know mess, making sure that kids grow up looking a certain. It's just like it's your. It's all bad water. By the time you're having that conversation, you're in the bad water. Get out of that bad water. There's. It's just don't tell me. Don't. Also, you know what? I'm not okay with people telling me what I should do. <laughs> <laughs> 
But what if it's that like fly by, I'm gonna fly by my, my own way, the old fashioned way, walk into a cave. <laughs> <laughs> That's where we all used to find our wives. Robbie, in the show, is there only one? Each could, person could be, has one. Yes. Each person has one. Yes. What if there's a show is just like yeah? What if there's thirty? It's it's so dumb because like also like what if you're matched with somebody what who if it's was a like baby? born fifty yeah, right. fifty yeah. years younger yeah. than you or, 50, or before you were born or after you died? Like why does right. that? It's like it's it's Abraham Lincoln. That would Sorry, be a great you guys one. Really hit it off. <laughs> no, this is even oh, this is even sucks. more problematic. This is yeah. more problematic because imagine like you're uh, let's say like twenty three. And, you know, it's not uncommon to have like an age discrepancy mm -hmm. in, in your relationship and like a 10 year age gap when you're, you know, let's say 35 and 45, like that's not unheard of. But if you're 23 and you've got a 10 year age discrepancy and you find out that that's your soulmate, yeah. that's trouble. I'm against uh, Again, yeah. the premise of this show is so dumb and that's why I don't want to watch it. And therefore the premise <laughs> of my topic is dumb too. So I'm sorry for that. Where do you stand, Robbie? <laughs> Well, do we get Roth? What was your final answer? You are. Uh, I'm, you I'm against it. I, yeah, I don't want. I don't want people tinkering walk, with. Yeah. Yeah, with my with my life. So, uh, for different reasons, Eric, you're correct. Wynand, you're correct. Alex threw me a curveball by saying he would take it, but no, he would get matched with his current wife, which is also <laughs> correct. Any other answer is the wrong answer. McFadden, you kind of tried to give the right answer but there's no good answer. You have to say, I would not do this because <laughs> even if you make up a scenario where you never knew your wife or anything, you're basically saying that you would take this even knowing who your wife is. Like you, you <laughs> want to find that number one person. And so you can't say that you're into this unless you frame it the way Alex did. I'm against it. My wife is the best. Uh, I also would be paired direct <laughs> with her, but I don't think that I'm certain of it. Uh, screw the one, screw the stupid show, screw the stupid question. I just threw at you guys. Uh, I'm against. <laughs> All right. Thanks, Robbie. I'm sure that won't have any negative ramifications for any of us. <laughs> loved ones. All right, Alex, let's move on uh, to your topic. What do you have for us? So uh, throughout the course of, of our podcast on Bundle Buddies, we are talking to a lot of folks about the games that were like uh, important to them when they were growing up or that they play a lot of. And a game that comes up more often than not is World of Warcraft which uh, is a game that I saw years and years and years ago and was like, I got to stay away from that because I'll have a serious problem with that game and we'll play it too much. I like it too much. Uh, but it, it's one of a genre of game called uh, MMORPGs or Massively Multiplayer Online RPGs where uh, you can interact with people. You have a character you're leveling up. Uh, it's basically creating a new world in which there are missions and goals and all kinds of stuff going on like a, a virtual world where you all have interactive goals. People create guilds. They do things like EverQuest, World of Warcraft. Um, there's a Skyrim version made by Bethesda. Uh, all these uh, different parallel worlds where people uh, have digital avatars and they go on quests. So my question is, are you guys for or against MMORPGs uh, personally and larger sort of the idea of like a, a, a mirror world that exists in the digisphere? Um, why don't we start with you, uh, Robbie? Okay, perfect person to ask because uh, I don't game, but I do there have an go. opinion. I do have an opinion, though. Um, you never so fail to have one. <laughs> <laughs> That's what the show is about. It is. And so the, uh, the 
growing up, the only system I had was NES and it stopped right there. So that tells you what you need to know. But my next door neighbor, who my first best friend, he had Super Nintendo. And so I would go over to his place to play some of the games I didn't have on regular Nintendo. Of course, with Nintendo and Super Nintendo, we don't have MMORPGs because there's no way to interact with other people off platform. But you did have RPGs. And my the last game that I got into in my whole life, circa 1997, was Harvest Moon, the first Harvest Moon. And I became obsessed with Harvest Moon. It is an RPG, a role-player game, not the mega multiplayer, whatever it is. It's just a single-player RPG, but you pretend that you're a farmer and you just live your days. Like, you wake up, you, you plow your fields, you milk your cows, you go meet a, a, a girlfriend or you, you find your spouse, you go into town, you barter, you trade, you go to the festivals, and then you go home and you go to sleep and you wake up and you do it all over again. It's whoever thought of this game is a genius because it sounds so mundane and no way whatsoever should this be a video game, but I loved it. And the part of me that's thinking the, the, the one downside to this game was that it was single player. And I was interacting with all these virtual characters, but they were just, you know, not real things. And if there were other farmers and people in this game that were part of the mega, mega multiplayer online world, I would have loved it. I would like, I would still be playing Harvest Moon to this day. And maybe it exists. I don't even know if it does, but yeah, Rob, I'm about to blow your mind. <laughs> okay. So anyways, I'm for it. I, I probably would never have like given up playing games if that was the case then, because it sounds so fun. So uh, blow my mind, please. So two games, uh, there's Animal Crossing, which is sort of that, but there is a game called Stardew Valley that was created by someone who played Harvest Moon and said, this game is so great but the genre, the series really got away from its original roots. What if I just made the version I would always want to play as a fan of it? And it's an incredible game. Uh, so nice. if you're looking for something to sink a lot of time into, it's, it's out yeah. there for and you. And that's the problem too. Like I sunk so much time yeah. into this game where I wasn't even interacting with another human being. It was just a waste, but it was so fun. Uh, Mike uh, Winan, what do you think? Um, so we talked about on, on your podcast about the yes. time that you came over to my house and played Skyrim and then yes. the next day bought a PS3 and Skyrim and a TV and then skipped work for three days to play yep. it. Yep. Uh, imagine <laughs> if that had like a social construct where there were other people that you could talk to in it. Mm. Uh, that I, I knew what I was doing when I put you in front of that game because the same thing <laughs> happened to me. Um, <laughs> but I can only imagine what would happen to me if there were other people who were depending on me to, you know, to heal them when needed. Uh, man, that would be so much pressure. Um, and I would never leave. Um, and therefore, for me and myself and my family and, and for my own subsistence, I am against. <laughs> However... I do have friends who have played these games and have had positive experiences with, with them. In mm. fact, I was hanging out with a friend of mine and he introduced me to some people that he met on uh, one of these games and they're <laughs> friends in real life. And uh, that can happen. That's a real thing. I've seen it. Um, and so for some people who perhaps have more self-control than I, it's good. Um, it, it's a, you know, one of the main things about video games is escapism and, and, you know, you can do things that you can't normally do in real life and get away from your, from your problems for a minute. Um, and that's a huge way to do it while keeping a social aspect in it. So 
I am for generally, just not for Mike Wyman. Uh, and let's do the second Mike. Okay, that's me. Um, I like, can we keep I... calling him that forever? <laughs> Versus the worst. All right. Um, nice. I, he got he you. Turn that around. <laughs> I, uh, I am personally against these types of games, uh, mostly just because I don't play them. I'm not against other people playing them. In fact, I encourage people to do what brings them joy. Um, I did really enjoy the book Ready Player One, uh, mm-hmm. which essentially describes the most epic of this type of game. And so I like the idea of it, but I think the actual playing of it, um, I, I think video games got away from me um, circa 1998, uh, 99 with uh, Nintendo 64's GoldenEye. I got motion sickness when I was playing it, and perhaps it was because my friend had a big screen TV. And so it, it was about at that point when video games were starting to come online, or like not with Nintendo 64, but pretty shortly thereafter, um, where this became a, a possibility. And I just, I missed it because uh, of uh, my my weak stomach. And uh, so <laughs> for, for health reasons, I am against uh, this uh, genre of video game. All right, um, my friend, Eric. My other bundle buddy. Bring us home. All right. So scientists are doing two things, right? They're (laughs) they're using our DNA to match us up with people, and that's absolutely disgusting. And the other thing that they're doing is they're creating infinite virtual spaces where you can be whatever and whomever you want, and that is absolutely incredible i love it now here's the thing is i have a problem and part of my problem is that i love playing video games and that's like like who nobody 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 wants to talk to somebody who loves playing video games right like if i go to a party and i start talking to people about how much i love to play video games they're like this guy sucks so your podcast is two guys talking to each other sometimes a third who love to play video games about video games right? <laughs> and that's, it's terrible and it's, been tearing, <laughs> it's been tearing him apart from day one gutting me i just i don't know if this was on the podcast with you guys but i just described me playing video games while i was slowly flooding my house like I, I, I love these things so much. They've become like so social for me. I'm able to interact with my friends back home. So I, I've been playing this game called Apex Legends, right? Where you're a bunch of people who are dropped into a map and then like this wall of fire is slowly constricting as you're running around and grabbing guns and all trying to shoot each other. And I'm terrible at it, but there's like something in the way that these games are designed that just like keeps me coming back and back and back i love them there's a caveat though is that a lot of game designers have started designing games almost to be like slot machines right where it's just like you just need to keep putting little bits of money in in order to get better or you just like keep going in and in and in and it's not the same thing as like like if you and I wanted to get good at chess or something, like you could get good at chess, right? And and you would be able to read books and talk to people and chess is going to exist for forever. Um, but these microtransgressions, transactions. <laughs> I'm all for microtransgressions, <laughs> but microtransactions, um, they, they, they have had this sort of very... Uh, um, 
uh, cancerous effect on a lot of game design, and they they tend to uh, exploit people who who uh, maybe have like gambling tendencies. Addictions. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I think I think that this this topic is is complicated for me. But but at the end of the day, you know, I like this this is the future right now. Video have in store for us the future that we were were promised especially you know it's and 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 in that future you could fly around you could jump around you could ride a dragon you could you know be a duck I, like it's just they're they're great yeah i'm for massive massive role-playing games the more massive the better give me something big baby <laughs> it's so funny i'm also for them but with all the caveats you guys mentioned which is interesting the three of us who are uh like for them uh who currently with video games have massive caveats we are like <laughs> this is a problem it's a scourge i'm addicted but i do love it so i think that says everything you need to know about these things they're dangerous i need to be very careful which games i play sometimes because if there's something out there i could really lose a, a nice chunk of my life to it and Civ six yeah, exactly. The civilization games. That's my brand. Of, Let me uh, ask you a question. You just use a really interesting phrase. You could lose a good chunk of your life to it. If you do find yourself down a wormhole playing a game for weeks on end, let's say, mm. on the when you come out the other side of it, do you, in hindsight, look back and say, I am so grateful that I just participated in that for as long as I did? Or do you think, damn, I really just burned like several days or weeks of my life that I will never get back. You know, it really depends. I think during the pandemic, I have, during times of high stress, allowed myself the indulgence of playing these games for a while. And at that time, it's actually a very nice way to just pass the time where it's like, I'm not sitting here stressed or obsessed or like doom scrolling. I'm just listening to a book on tape and playing civilization. And that's kind of a nice feeling, you know? Yeah. Uh, Gaming but, is always better than doom scrolling. I'll say that. <laughs> well, you and know, if you're, if you're listening to a book on tape also, then I mean, that's, that's almost productivity in my book. So that, that might be the, <laughs> the loophole hack to make this, you know, totally fine. Mike, there's a reason I knew you're my favorite member of this podcast. <laughs> and it's because of constructive comments like this. Mike number two. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, well, thank you very much, Alex, for your topic. Uh, we're now on to my topic, the final topic for the evening. And uh, just a, a quick update. We have 15 minutes until the auction expires. So I want all of us to spend at least three minutes each <laughs> you know, <laughs> Stretch, yeah. elaborating, stretching um, on this topic. My topic is uh, gym class dodgeball. Um, I don't want to talk about like adult rec league dodgeball um, that, you know, like you go sign up for and hang out at a bar with some friends after work. I'm talking about you're uh, in, you know, seventh grade and uh, <laughs> gym class, uh, you know, has just begun and the teacher rolls out, you know, a, a sack full of playground balls and uh, you're getting split up into two teams. The balls are getting on the center line. Gym teacher is going to blow the whistle. You have to go sprint for them. And then it's just dodgeball for the next 45 minutes. Are we for or against gym class dodgeball? You're welcome to take it in any direction that you like. Um, I'd like to start with Robbie. This Did you, wait, you just said 45 minutes. Did you guys have a single 45 minute session of dodgeball? Cause that seems never ending. <laughs> oh, okay. Maybe Sometimes. I got some of the details wrong, but uh, you know, gym class was about 45 minutes. I, that's like the laziest thing for the gym teacher to do is like, Here's a bunch of balls. Go. 
Uh, okay. So does that is, shape your opinion in one way or another? Uh, gym teachers have a cushy yes job. And I, this brings back so many bad memories because I was always the kid who <laughs> wanted to be better at athletics than I actually was. So like when it was announced that we were that going tracks. to play dodgeball. Yeah, it does track. Here we are all these years <laughs> later. I'm still the same person. But I, <clears throat> I wanted to be good. But when that whistle would blow, like I would have this sinking nervous feeling like, oh shit, I'm going to be revealed for the unathletic fraud that I am, but I need to really try extra hard to make sure that people don't know that. So like I would hustle and the thing, there's actually a single thing that really pissed me off. I would usually be very bad. I would usually throw and miss and not catch, but in like the very rare moments where I was able to hit somebody and I would get them out, most of the time, they would just pretend like that never happened. Like, I'd be like, <laughs> I hit you. And they'd be like, nope. And they would just keep playing. I'd be like, no, you go out. Like, and I felt like, why am I even doing this then? Because I, for the one out of 10 times I hit somebody. There are rules in society. <laughs> yes, that's how I felt. And I felt like the rules only applied to me and nobody else. And it just was so unfair. So that was very upsetting. Like my one, my new moment of glory was taken away from me in dodgeball and I will never forget it. So I'm against. <laughs> All right. Thank you, Robbie. I'm sorry for your childhood. Did I stretch it out long enough? Was that three minutes on my end? <laughs> I don't know. Probably not. <laughs> but that's okay. Eric, what, what do you think about uh, gym class dodgeball? Oh, love it absolutely <laughs> absolutely love it like i you know, it's like one of the purest sports right like it like there's nothing that it's just there's no you know it, you're picking up a ball you're throwing it right and no you can pretense. catch the ball there's no yeah you don't need a you don't even need a basketball hoop right like you could play dodgeball anywhere i absolutely loved dodgeball as a kid and i was so i was a gymnast my dad um, owned a gymnastics school in Chicago that we grew up in. And I remember there was one um, New Year's where we spent the entire night in the gym. It was us and a bunch of Russians. And uh, <laughs> the adults all went and got just plastered. And we probably spent like four hours playing dodgeball and it was like this thing where we were like dragging mats out to like hide behind and it to me like like I, I this is the the reason that I get into video games so much is like I'm a very competitive person and when there's like a thing there to like a, a like sort of means of competition like I I want to get better at it and I think about it and like I can I can get into these like weird obsessive traps so like you know like I mean Robbie you probably remember like actually hitting somebody with the dodge like there's something so satisfying yeah. about hitting somebody it would, with it the would be ball. satisfied if they actually said you got me I'm gonna leave now <laughs> I mean I you know like and and I don't know that I was ever like good like good but I I think I was I think that you know there's there 
I was I was not you're a gymnast if you're not you could, you could dodge I think right yeah but like I was as far as gymnast goes like I was the nerd that liked video games math right okay. like so I was like the low like in like in like regular school it was like okay I can kind of hang with like the basketball players who are like real athletes uh and but like at the gym it was just sort of like I'm a scrawny kid but like I don't yeah to me it's just like I don't know like you're you're that one person left against like two people that are up and you catch that ball and you get somebody in like the swings and dodgeball are incredible. <laughs> it's it's just such a such a wonderful game like ah oh, and if you've ever like if you've never thrown a rubber ball at your little brother and heard that satisfying smack mm -hmm. of it against his chest, there's just nothing like it. It's it's incredible. Love it. I'm for dodgeball. Jim Class right. dodgeball. Any type Thank of you. dodgeball. Thank you very much, Eric. Um, Alex, I'd love to hear what you have to say about gym class dodgeball. I mean, it's very clear so far who was a bully and who was not. That's all <laughs> I'll say. Uh, but when I was 10 years old, we were playing a game called Danish dodgeball at my school, which is dodgeball, except when you get out, you don't go out. You start running uh, the length of the gym and you can uh, add up at the end of the, all the lengths that the people on the team who got who like were running got. Uh, and you can still get hit by a ball at this point. So you're running. It, it's it's very clear that the gym teachers made this game up as a way to get 10 year olds more exhausted, you know, and more tired playing dodgeball. So they would be, you know, like more tired in school and it would all be a, a better that way. But it's all the keep I, us submissive. Exactly. I one time it's the to this day, it was the first time I was ever completely physically exhausted. Um like, and one of the times I felt most physically exhausted, I, I did 26 lengths of the gym throughout the course of the rest of the game. It was the record that whole year. No one ever did it. It's the most <laughs> impressive physical activity I'd ever done up to that point. Uh, and it got me a little bit of clout on the playground for a little bit, where it's like, you know what, this guy, he might not be very cool. And he might only wear sweatpants, but he got a 26 in Danish dodgeball. That's amazing. And I just remember when I was done, I was like, that's a lot wheezing. of the metric system. <laughs> oh, yeah, it was insane. Wheezing and like sighing. And they're like, how much did you get? I was like 26. Everyone went, whoa. And my team won. So I'm 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 for it, man. It was great. All right, excellent. Thank you very much, Alex. Mike, dodgeball. Uh, I want to take this in a in a in a a different point of view. We've all talked about what it's like to play dodgeball. I want to give you a little behind the scenes of what it's like to run a dodgeball game. <laughs> uh, if you guys ever get the opportunity to be hired as a camp counselor at Gilson Park in Wilmette, Illinois, I highly recommend it. That's like the best job. Uh, a lot of the time, you're it's beach time for like two hours, and the kids are the lifeguard's responsibility. <laughs> like one of the main things you do have to do and pay attention to is run a dodgeball game, which is like the best assignment. Because I hate to break it to you, that dodgeball is not so much a game, but it is a work of dramatic participatory fiction. <laughs> because like you're talking about these times when it's like, oh, there's like ten of the, the strongest like jock kids and they're just beating up on these on these nerds and yet somehow the nerds come back because you can throw a rule in that counselors can play for five minutes so the counselors all call on the <laughs> nerd side and beat the hell out of these other kids and then 
the best card in your deck is the jailbreak, which is anybody's a jail goes right back in. I don't know if you've ever played a game of dodgeball. They don't actually end until the people actually decide that it's time to end. They'll last 45 <laughs> minutes. They'll last forever because you'll have these moments of push and pull and you can you can weave this tapestry of, of a storyline where it's like one team might win, but then they don't. And then the other team comes back and it turns out that it was it ends up just about a tie every single time. And I did this every day for two summers and the kids are so dumb. They never figured it out. They never figured out that no one ever actually won dodgeball. And it's a beautiful work. Participatory art. I love it. I want to run a dodgeball game right now. I'm looking at a smile on my face. I am four. All right. Well, thank you, Mike. I, I did not think about it from that perspective. And, and I want to sort of just set the stage for you about how I was thinking about this uh, as a Kid, I loved dodgeball. In gym class, it was my favorite thing to do. Um, in my Boy Scout troop, we would conclude every Wednesday evening meeting with a uh, dodgeball match. Um, and it was just something I looked forward to every single time. Uh, and uh, I loved it, every, every aspect of it. I, I don't know if I was necessarily a, a bully, but I definitely did gain satisfaction in getting other people out. And I do know that the people that I got out were definitely not bullies. <laughs> um, and <laughs> I, I don't know. Take, take that how you will. Take that how you will. <laughs> they were a bunch of me's. They were a bunch of Robbie's. And, um, but, but now I am a teacher. I, I, I teach children and dodgeball for the most part is no longer taught uh, or, or I guess played in school. And if it is, they've introduced so many rules where like you're not throwing a ball at another child. You're trying to like knock over a pin or something that is, it's not dodgeball. And, and I understand why I understand that uh, it, you know, it is an act of, compulsion it's really not something that we can do in this day and age um, so i'm definitely for um voluntary dodgeball i think professionally i have to be against uh, compulsory dodgeball <laughs> however mike i i didn't really think about the the role that the the overlord of the dodgeball game can play <laughs> with the jailbreaks it's with the, the closest you'll ever feel to being a god <laughs> yes. And so I think I personally would love to have that power. Um, I, I am not a, a PE teacher, so I, I am not, I would probably lose my job if I turned my computer lab into a dodgeball arena. Um, <laughs> it would be hard to justify uh, that under any you know pedagogical framework. Uh, so uh, I think... I am still for it. Um, I'm for it just because I loved it so much as a kid. And Mike, based on your your nuanced breakdown of of dodgeball, I am still for it. Go ahead, Eric. You're the guest. Go ahead. What are you just, we we had a, a history teacher in high school who was teaching AP history, and one day she was looking out the window at the gym class running around, and she went. <sighs> I should have been a gym teacher. <laughs> right, exactly. Everyone was like, what? <laughs> uh, miss, you said that out loud. Yeah, like, why That's are you an inside us? thought. <laughs> um, uh, Robbie, so in, did you have something to add? Yes, in the spirit of extending this until your auction is over. I know we're close. Um, so the premise of this was discussing if we're for dodgeball in school as kids. But since we started taking this in other directions, I had the luxury of playing dodgeball about a year and a half ago, just before the pandemic hit at my niece's birthday party. And we set up this game where it was 
me and my two brothers, so three grown adults <laughs> against 15 children who are all about <laughs> nine years old. And it was the most fun I had Target in the last rich. year and a half. I was plowing kids with these balls, <laughs> some of them in the face. There were no major injuries, only minor bruises. And the, did they but, follow the rules? Did they follow the rules, Robbie? <laughs> I made sure of it. Someone, there was one kid who would not go out. And I said, I got you. You go out now. But they, we had the jail thing, too. Or like, if you catch a ball, then you can bring somebody back in, which is great. That's a nice component to it. But I had the most fun. Ultimately, it was actually a lot closer than it should have been. But again, 15 on three, 15 kids on three adults. <laughs> um, but the adults did win. So that was super fun. I jacked all, up those kids All was good. right in the end. All right, everybody. Well, it is uh, now 8.53 in the p.m. and it, it, Central Standard Time. There's one minute and 22 seconds left uh, to the gentleman in this group chat. I have just pasted a link. If you're on a computer, you can go, you can, you can watch it with me. I don't know how the color commentary of an auction that other people can't see is going to go as, you know, podcasting content. But uh, I've shared with you the link. Uh, this is a crypto swatch. We're now up to 11 bids, uh, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, there are 57 seconds left. The high bid is at 32.51, which is $7.19. Oh, you now made it should... burnable so I could buy it and then make it not exist anymore? Yes. Yes, you could do that. do that. Well, I don't know. Just you know, some people just want to see the world burn. <laughs> I think I think you do have to refresh uh, in order to get the, the updated. Uh, you it know, is a cute duck. Um, $7.15. And so one thing that I should point out is that this is an English auction, which means that if somebody bids within the last like a minute or two, it's going to add an additional two minutes. So this isn't like eBay where you have oh. to like time your, your bidding. Uh -huh. So this, this could go on for another you know, two 12 minutes. seconds There's left, 12 seconds left. We're still at uh 32.5119001 one, wax five, five, four, four three, Two, two, one, one. All right, Hooray. go on. Refresh, because sometimes it'll add time on. Nope. Nope. All right, highest bid thirty-two point five one one nine zero 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 one wax, which equates to seven dollars and fifteen cents. I was hoping that this was going to be more exciting. We'll probably not do this <laughs> one again. But it's exciting that you just like printed yourself seven dollars and fifteen cents. Yeah, I don't know, man. That's absolutely insane to me that you get <laughs> that you guys got some money for this thing that it probably didn't cost you very much money at all to make unless i'm cost wrong any money to make <laughs> um and also i should note that uh all of the proceeds are going to uh, my collaborator so at ducks cyber on twitter oh i thought you're gonna uh, say a charity <laughs> no no i am luca in italy which is also kind of cool i'm collaborating on a guy with italy that i've yeah, never met yeah. You know, it's right. interesting, by the way, you know, I know the, the number of wax doesn't change, but as the bid was closing, the dollar amount was changing in a negative direction. It went from like 719 to 715 to 714, which I assume is just like what the current rate is of wax to dollars, right? Yes, that's exactly correct, because wax is itself another cryptocurrency. And so you always have to look at what the exchange rate is when trying to figure out how much you are buying something for or selling something for or, you know, I don't know. It's, it's all it's all very strange and fun and interesting. Gentlemen, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, that's our show for this week. Um, bundle we'd buddies. like to uh, ask you, the bundle buddies, where can uh, everybody find you online? Oh my gosh, we are at under at 
bundle underscore buddies on Twitter. Uh, we've got a Podbean account, but that's the best place to find out where everything's going on. Um, and we post the links to the episodes there once a week and uh, have folks on. This was so fun. Oh, my God. It was. Thanks, guys. It was really Thank fun. You. you guys were naturals. It's like we've been doing this with you for months at this point. It was really good. <laughs> hey, we, you know, we're podcast podcast fam here. You know what I mean? <laughs> did, did we share with the crowd that, like, the four of you in sort of know each other in, in unique ways? <laughs> no, I don't think so. No, why don't we do is... that real quick <laughs> mike how do you know one of them and robbie how do you know the other uh, and then alex, the two of you how do you know each other <laughs> alex han and i went to college together and then lived with each other for eight years so we've known each other for almost 16 years or yeah. about half as long as i've known you mike which is it's, that's still a long time still pretty good still a really long time a substantial and dear friend yes and eric and i also went to college together we were in the same improv comedy group and Eric has always been a very positive and fun, great person. And but I haven't been in touch with him recently. So this is an amazing way to no, reconnect. This is and incredible. So nice. This is like such a strange, awesome. I'm like, Robbie, how yeah. are you doing, man? Let's do it again. <laughs> okay. It's so fun. Uh, I'd love to. I'd love to. Yeah. Are you inviting us to come back or are you just saying you and I? Because either one, I'm totally on one on one Zoom, just the two of us. <laughs> well, we also were talking. We want to have the other bundle buddies on or the other bundle buddies, the other uh, for or againsters. What do you guys call like what's the podcast called? Like, There's no against... plural. F O F F O A's on the on bundle. That sounds dirty. Yeah. Fellas. All right. Well, thanks again, guys, for joining us. We really enjoyed having you. Everybody, thank you very much for listening. Uh, you can find us on our Instagram page at For or Against Pod. Uh, we have Facebook, Twitter, and TikTok too, but uh, who are we kidding? We haven't really posted anything unique there ever, and you're not following us there. So Instagram it is for now. Thanks for listening. All right. Just old friends on the podcast who build a defense on ridiculous topics. Are you for or against? Discussing random issues, man, the show is immense. So tune in and choose the side that you sit on the fence, man. We debate a lot of issues, boy, where do we start? Adults who drink milk and self-driving cars. You listening now to for or against? So turn the volume up, this is for or against.